Welcome to AIIW News. As it is written news, my name is Ryan, and I am so happy to be able to be here today. Uh, this isn't has this has not been the best week ever, but we are going to make the best of it. And there is some interesting and topical news for today. Uh, we'll get started right off the bat. We have a headline from the LA Times my local big paper, <laughs> uh, though I am in Orange County, uh, what it says is, nature gave us a lifeline. Southern California refills largest reservoir in dramatic fashion. So we have a cool picture here of some water flowing in somewhere. Who knows? Probably stock footage from China. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it actually is water cascading into Diamond Lake from DVL's Inlet Outlet Tower. So, following a series of winter storms that eased drought conditions across the state, Southern Californians celebrated a sight nobody has seen for several punishing years, water rushing into Diamond Valley Lake. The massive reservoir, the largest in Southern California, was considerably drained during the state's driest three years on record, with nearly half of the lake's supply used to bolster minuscule allocations from state water providers. But an extraordinarily wet winter allowed officials from the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California to turn on the taps in Hemet once again. Water transported from Northern California roared out of huge concrete valves Monday and into the Blue Lake at 600 cubic feet per second, marking an incredible turnaround for a region that only months ago had barely enough supplies to meet the health and safety needs of 6 million people. And so we see Adele. Hagahale, Hagahalil, uh, said nature gave us a lifeline in the face of climate whiplash. And uh, I'm very, very happy about this news. It's wonderful that California has water once again. This is a resource that has been scarce the last few years for us. And, you know, it was starting to get a little concerning. There were talks and there's probably still plans to build a desalination plant down here in Southern California, I believe Huntington Beach. Um, that's slightly less necessary at the moment, though that doesn't mean we shouldn't build it. I would hope that we change the plans into a nuclear desalination plant, as that's the only thing that makes any sense at all, but that's not up to me. Um, but we see the headline here, and it says, Nature gave us a lifeline. And I just want to push back on that a little bit. What we need to do is we need to praise God for the wonderful blessings that he gives to us. God is in control of the entire world. He created it and will one day come back to redeem it. And we need to praise God for the blessings that he gives to us. And so we need to, so God gave us a lifeline and refilled Southern California's reservoirs so that we can live happy and healthy lives. And that's what we see what the that's what we see the Bible say in a number of different places. Uh, our Bible verse for this story is going to be from Psalm 104 verses 10 through 12. You know what? Let me pull that up for you. I should probably start showing the actual Bible verses. We'll go to Bible Gateway. And it's going to be Psalm 104, verses 10 through 12. And that says, He sends the springs into the valleys, the flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. 
By them the birds of the heavens have their home, they sing among the branches, he waters the hills from his upper chambers, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. And while it may not always seem like God will refill our reservoirs and we may get worried and concerned about the problems that we face on a daily, a weekly, a yearly basis, uh, but we can be uh, happy to know that there are going to be times of refreshing. There are going to be times when God refills the reservoirs of water here in California, but also refills the reservoirs of your life. When you're lacking and, and going through times of struggle, we can be confident that even though that may lead to our death, ultimately God will raise us from the dead if we are faithful to him in this life. We have faith in him and in his son's death, resurrection, ascension, and ultimate return to this world. So that is the gospel, and I hope that you all come to understand it and accept it. So, we are very thankful to God here at AIIW for providing the water that we need. I know that on the East Coast and in the Midwest, you guys have tons of rivers flowing and all sorts of water going everywhere, so you're constantly being blessed by that. Uh, but out here in the West, at least in the Southwest, it is very dry, and uh, we are thankful when we get a little bit of water, and it's actually been a lot of water recently. Uh, even today, it's actually raining once again, not a whole lot like it was the last few weeks, but we're getting a little bit of a drizzle, which is about what we normally get. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for it, and I hope that everyone else here in Southern California is as well. So we'll move on to our next story. We have bank regulators eye tougher oversight after Silicon Valley bank collapse. All right, so this has to do with the banking uh, failures that we've been having over the last few weeks. It has been a very tough time for banks. I think a lot of people are starting to realize how shaky that system is in general uh, right now. So growing up when I was in high school, what we were taught was that we are, we are on what is called the fractional reserve system. That means that when you put in a dollar into your bank, they have to keep 10 cents of that in their vault and they can loan out the other 90 cents to somebody else to go buy a house. And that's a great system, and it means that the bank always has to have some amount of money in the coffers ready to give to you if you need it to pay your, you know, off your car loan or to pay for food that day, that sort of thing. Uh, since 2020, I believe March of 2020, we have moved onto an infinite reserve system, which means that if you give the bank a dollar, they can lend out a dollar. And what happens is if the bank needs to get some money to pay you back when you go and take your money out of your account, they are going to go to the uh, Fed's lending window. Or they, uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, basically, they're going to go to the big bank that all the other banks are part of called the Fed, and they are going to borrow money from the Fed. And this should be the lender of last resort, but over the last few weeks, it has been increasingly used to uh, shore up the balance sheets of a number of different banks, hundreds of them actually. So we've had more uh, banks going to that, uh, to that source of cash than we ever have at any other period in the United States. There was a spike in 2008 when that uh, was used by banks to shore up their balance sheets. Obviously, we know what happened in 2008, 
this crisis is actually orders of, not orders of magnitude, but this crisis is actually much bigger than that back in 2008. So it's something we need to be watching carefully. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. God will take care of us and keep us well fed, as we see with this water here in California. Um, but what we need to do is we need to be aware of it. We need to know what's going on and know how to protect ourselves. If you are a person with more than $250,000 in an account, you should certainly be moving that around to the safest place you could possibly put it. Uh, I'm not calling for bank runs or anything like that. But if you do have more than $250,000 in an account, that is not necessarily safe. Even the, the accounts less than two hundred and fifty aren't necessarily safe, but they are significantly more safe. Uh, so what we saw with Silicon Valley is that 100% of the money in that bank was guaranteed by the Fed, or by the uh, FDIC, I should say, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and the F FDIC will not be covering 100% of deposits at other institutions. So it's definitely something to be aware of if you have your money just sitting in a bank account not doing anything, which isn't a wise or smart decision in the first place. So here we go into the article from msn.com. It says Silicon Valley Bank's failure was a textbook case of mismanagement that shows that banks with more than $100 billion in assets may need tougher oversight, and the government will review the federal insurance program that protects deposits, regulators told a Senate committee looking into the crisis. And so that federal insurance program is the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. All right, so in this picture here, we see Michael Barr, Vice Chair for Supervision at the U.S. Federal Reserve. He spoke Tuesday during a Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee he hearing. All right, so lawmakers squabbled Tuesday over the causes of the meltdown at SVB and Signature Bank in a hearing of the Senate Banking Committee. Uh, SVB is the largest banking failure in the United States history. Signature, or sorry, second largest in the United States history. And Signature Bank is the third. So in this crisis, we've had both the second and third largest failures of any banks ever in the United States. Uh, so in a hearing of the Senate Banking Committee, Republicans disputed the idea that tougher rules for mid-sized banks would have kept the institutions from failing and raised concerns that regulators' decisions to ensure all deposits at those two banks could set a dangerous precedent. Democrats, meanwhile, insisted that the recent meltdown leaves little ambiguity on the need for revamped rules. Top officials from the Federal Reserve, Treasury Department, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, said they would support strengthening banking regulations, including for firms with assets over $100 billion. Silicon Valley Bank had $211 billion in assets at the end of last year. So, um, I think that. So we, we see here that Republicans uh, and Democrats have different ideas on what we should do to mitigate these problems. I, I think it all boils down to the uh, infinite reserve policy that the Fed has. If you can just, you know, if you don't have to keep any money on hand, it's, it's going to get kind of out of hand when you start loaning things out to people. That was kind of a crazy situation that we've never had before. I don't think that is a... Uh, 
policy that has worked out the way it was intended. Um, so basically, it looks like they're claiming Republicans aren't arguing for anything. Uh, except that they're upset that all of the deposits were insured at these two banks. And that is something that I, and I'm a Republican, just to state my opinion, uh, so you know where I'm coming from. Uh, I also agree with them that it is absurd that all of the deposit that these two banks were completely covered. Uh, if we look at SVB, that's the bank for all of these startups and some of the richest people in the country. And the government decided to fully insure their deposits over the limit that everyone agreed to and knows about. You go up to any banking window in the country, and it's got one of those gold placards that says FDIC in big letters and says $250,000 and explains to you that your account is only insured up to that point. So what happened was all of these, uh, it, all the richest people in the country had their money and the money of the startups that they're funding here at or there at SVB. And they got 100% bailed out on any funds that they might have lost, even though it was above 250000 That's like saying that you pay for a you're paying for house insurance on your house and fires aren't covered. But you know what? In this case, we're just going to cover fires out of the goodness of our heart. How many people, how many regular people in the United States who have lost their house to a fire? And the insurance company comes in and finds some crazy loophole that says that they don't have to pay it out. Regular people, they, get, they lose everything. Regular people will lose their house and not get paid by insurance companies. But the richest in this country, they'll have the equivalent happen to them and, and lose their house or lose their company. But, you know, we're going to bail them out completely and save them from the problems that come about by their decisions. So what they aren't telling you is that we could have uh, either one of there's two different possibilities to to mitigate this issue in the future. One, if you do have more money in the bank, then you get charged extra for extra insurance. That's how insurance works. If you want more coverage, then you need to pay more for that coverage. And so what they aren't telling you is that every bank is paying for that FDIC two hundred and fifty thousand dollar insurance. And there's a fund and you get paid out of that fund if your bank goes under and they need to utilize it. So what we could do is we could have separate classes or, or classifications of different accounts. There could be accounts that are willing to take the risk and only take the minimum $250,000 insurance. Uh, like myself, that's what I would do. I don't have $250,000 sitting in a bank account. Um, well, more than $250,000 sitting in a bank account. And then for those that do have more, they need to pay more in insurance. It's a very simple, it's very simple. If you want more coverage with insurance, you pay more money. That's how it works, except for SVB and Signature Bank. And the problem is that by covering all of these accounts 100%, we will lead, that, will, that will lead to the FDIC being drained of the money that it has in reserve to pay out the people $250,000. So if they had to pay out all of the money to uh, if they had to pay out all the money to SVB and Signature, there wouldn't be any money left over to pay the guaranteed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you have. And so all that this leads to when we bail out these banks like this is 
that when it trickles down to the regular average person, we get the, uh, you know, we get shafted. We, we get, um, we get absolutely messed up by it. You know, it, it, the, the richest people at these banks for the most part, aren't really going to be hurt too much by losing their millions of dollars in excess of $250,000. Yeah. There's some businesses that would be hurt and, and that wouldn't be good. But the people that are collecting paychecks from those companies would get taken care of by unemployment insurance. Uh, we have systems set up to help them with that. And so really, we're just helping out the richest of the country when we bail out SVB and Signature like we did. And I'm calling it a bailout. We bailed out their FDIC funds. Like it, It's not a direct bailout from the government giving cash to anybody because it's a weird, crazy system, but it's essentially a bailout. And so when we do that, we, we drain the funds that will be needed potentially to help out smaller people and, and, and help you and me out, which, you know, we, we didn't go over the limit. We don't have more money than $250,000 in any one of our bank accounts, but we'll be the ones that actually get hurt by it, which is just insane to me that we would accept that as a country. And so we need to be up in arms about it. I, I agree with Republicans that, that, uh, they shouldn't have increased the, they shouldn't have fully covered the funds in those banks. They shouldn't fully cover the funds in any bank unless that bank has been paying for it. If you want to tell me that there, that there is a way that a bank could pay to have 100% of their funds covered, great. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe that's the insurance we should have. So I, I don't know. That, that should be the argument we're having right now. Uh, Democrats, meanwhile, insisted that the recent meltdown leaves little ambiguity on the need for revamped rules. And so as Democrats always do, they want to come in and regulate. They want to uh, have the government be a watchdog even closer over these institutions. And there may be a good argument for that. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know exactly what they're arguing for. Uh, we, I'm open to what they have to say. I'm not going to completely you know, be a bigot towards uh, Democrat ideas just because they uh, come from a Democrat. So maybe there is a, a, a reason why we need to regulate some more, and maybe there's some regulations that we should implement. Uh, but I think really what we should do is, is go back to our, uh, to our normal regulations of a 10% deposit requirement for every bank that would shore up a lot of these accounts. Um, and we should probably have different classifications of insurance that banks can purchase and maybe we require certain banks to purchase that, that greater insurance. Or we require that accounts over a certain threshold have to pay for more insurance as well. Those are two very easy systems to implement. And I think that they would ultimately solve the problem, but they would cost rich people more money. So we are going to look at Proverbs 11.3 uh, for our Bible verse. For this, let's see here, Proverbs 11.3, it says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And I think that's something that we need to go back to in this country. It used to be that we absolutely were uh, a people of their word. Men and, and women would, wouldn't say things that they didn't mean, wouldn't do things that, were, uh, that would go against uh, their, you know, what they had promised. And unfortunately, that's not the system that we live in today. People constantly make promises that they aren't going to keep and, and do things that will ultimately 
that they ultimately won't uphold. And so we need to go back to that and go back to being a nation of integrity. I don't think that we are at the moment. All right, we're going to move on to a new story about Biden, China, and TikTok. So if you're unaware of what TikTok is, TikTok is an app that is owned indirectly by the Chinese Communist Party. So TikTok is owned by a company called ByteDance, B-Y-T-E-D-A-N-C-E. And this company is a Chinese company, which means that uh, just like every Chinese company, it is partially owned and completely directed by the Chinese Communist Party. If China wants TikTok, if China wants TikTok to jump, their answer is going to be how high. And so, uh, when we see the influence and control that TikTok has over now 150 million uh, users here in the United States, that's nearly one out of every two people in the country. Um, it's definitely something that we need to think about. I am personally not of the opinion that the Chinese Communist Party has the right to import unlimited, unlimited amounts of anything into our country. I don't believe you have the right to import your app here. And so if the app is owned by the Chinese, I don't believe they have the right to import that app here to the United States and influence 150 million people. Um, a few months back i saw an article by forbes about uh tiktok that said that um they the company has what they call a heating button and what they mean by that is they mean that they can basically press a button it, they input the name of a video or a, a link they press a button and immediately that video goes viral it goes out to millions or hundreds of millions of accounts and everybody starts seeing it and so they have the ability to spread any message that they want to 150 million people. And I think that that's an absolute problem. Uh, I am someone who is on TikTok. I actually, it's actually my largest platform at the moment. Um, so this is coming from someone who actually does enjoy producing content there and putting it out for people to see. I just think we need to be aware as Americans that we are being controlled by the Chinese communists. Okay. That's ultimately the uh what's going on uh with this situation so that's just the um the background uh based on the uh the headline here we'll get into the story so it says last october president biden spent more than an hour at the white house with eight star with eight star tiktok creators as democrats sought to use their reach to boost the party's chances in the 2022 midterm elections the White House even sent a letter to at least one of those creators signed by Biden expressing gratitude for their work on the platform. Six months later, the Biden administration wants TikTok to be sold over concerns around ByteDance, the app's China-based owners. But an uproar in Congress and a rebuke from China's government have complicated the administration's position, making it increasingly difficult to envision a quick resolution to the issue, or a situation in which the president, again, turns to its stars for political clout. And so I think ultimately what should happen is we should just tax them. It should be taxed as an import to the country of a cent per video. Every time the algorithm gets used, it should be a tax of one cent because that algorithm is being imported from China as far as I am concerned. Uh, and I think there is a very good legal case to be made for that. 
and I think that that would get it sold real quick to an American company. And I think that Facebook or Google or, um, you know, uh, I don't know if Twitter has the money. It's I think that TikTok is worth about what Twitter is was about what Elon paid for Twitter. Um, I would hope that a major U.S. corporation buys it or a conglomerate of corporations. It doesn't have to be only bought by one company. You you can have Facebook and Google and Oracle and a couple other companies all purchase parts of it to make it into an American company. And I think that would probably be one of the better situations uh, to see multiple American companies in charge of it. That would uh, give it le- it would make it less likely that, that there would be one person in control of that heating button, though, uh, you know, there would still be issues around that. And I would like to see a lot more transparency around that as well. Uh, so I think that that should be how Biden ends up going about solving this problem uh, with Congress. But I don't think that's what's going to be the case. Um, what we do see is that the bill that is before Congress is essentially how the right is describing it is as the Patriot Act for the Internet. And I don't disagree with them. It is a very troubling act uh, that they're trying to pass to essentially ban TikTok or give the president the ability to ban any platform that he deems unfit is essentially the way that it sounds like the bill is written. So we should be very careful about that. All right. So. Uh, yeah, that's what we have to say about that issue. Let's look at our uh, Bible verse that we are going to read in conjunction with this headline. It comes to us from James 1.5, and it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so I, I pray that the representatives in our government, Biden, Congress, every one of them, asks God for wisdom in this situation, and that when God gives it to them, they heed that wisdom and uh, use it to make the best judgments and best decisions in this situation. We are dealing with an adversary who is absolutely evil. The Chinese Communist Party does not have our best intentions, and they don't even have the best intentions of their own people at heart. They have the best intentions of communists at heart, and and we can't let them be in control of our country in, in control of 150 million people's eyeballs for hours a day which is what is going on right now not that it's much better that facebook or youtube has control of our eyeballs but at the very least they're an american company and they have every right to operate here in the united states china does not have a right to operate and do business here in the United States. Nobody from an international perspective has any right to come here and do business. Okay? Yes, we're capitalists. Yes, we love foreign investment. Yes, we love people from all over the world coming to the United States. That doesn't give you a right to operate here. And when you're doing things that are absolutely negative for our society, the way that TikTok is, I think it is something that we need to look at and potentially charge a tariff over. I'm not even saying that we should ban it. We should just tariff it and that would kill it instantly. So that's what I think we should do. And I hope that our government and our representatives, not leaders, they aren't supposed to lead us. They're supposed to represent us, figure that out. So we'll move on to our last story. 
Uh, this is one of the most interesting ones for me. I can't believe we haven't been doing this for the last 60 years. It's crazy that we believed some nonsense about space being a place for peace, which was never going to work out well. Uh, and we see that today the Pentagon is preparing for U.S. is preparing the U.S. Space Force for a possible conflict with Russia and China in space. I think one of the lasting legacies of the Donald Trump presidency is going to be the establishment of the U United States Space Force. I'm very proud that we finally have a service that is dedicated to uh, operating in that domain. It was completely absurd that we had uh, not started to operate and think of space as a warfighting domain until Trump. Uh, maybe the U.S. Air Force kind of did, but it was it was a, it took a back seat to land and air and and sea for sure. And I think that in the coming decades, space is going to be more valuable and more contentious than those other three warfighting domains. So we see in this article uh, written by Novanite.com by uh, doesn't tell us who. Let's see. Nope, doesn't tell us who. It says, U.S. Department of Defense has begun preparing the U.S. Space Force for a possible future conflict with Russia and China in space. The Wall Street Journal reported, the decision comes amid Russia and China deploying lasers and missiles that could disable satellites and disrupt, disrupt civilian communications. In March, the White House proposed increasing the annual budget of the USSF to $30 billion, which would be a record amount. Currently, our entire uh, military budget, I believe, is about 800 or 900 billion dollars, closing in on a trillion. So 30 billion of that is a very small number, especially when we're talking about space, uh, space flight and being able to counter threats to us from space. Uh, so, so that 30 billion is a record amount, but it's still not nearly enough. The amount proposed by the U.S. administration is nearly four billion more than the budget in 2021. The White House has also proposed increasing funding for the Air Force and Navy. Of course, of course they did. The increase in USF, USSF spending will lead to an increase in the number of military personnel to 16,000. Again, a paltry number compared to the other branches. We need to up those numbers quite significantly. The servicemen, well, I guess we should, yeah, servicemen will receive special training simulators for combat in space and will also be trained to operate satellites, ground communication, and sensor equipment, and weapons systems. Last year, the U.S. identified China as the biggest security threat in its defense security strategy. This is due, among other things, to the, develop to the development of lasers and ground-based missiles that can strike satellites. Russia also was named in the document as a major security threat. I think for a number of reasons, Russia is significantly less of a threat than it was. Uh, especially in space, it's very uh, expensive and very difficult to project uh, might in space. It costs a lot of money to launch things out into orbit. Um, so China, I think, is definitely a, a huge adversary there. There's somebody that's been somebody there, a country that's been very much working against us for decades in every other domain. And some and they have been rapidly increasing their prowess and their capabilities in space. They have their own space station at this point, uh, comparable to the ISS, that they are launching missions to very frequently. 
they haven't quite gotten the reusability that SpaceX has. I think that's where we have a huge advantage. Uh, reusability is going to drastically decrease the costs involved in spaceflight. And uh, so we, we definitely need to keep ahead of them and stay ahead of them as, as they're laser focused on it and can focus a lot more of their energy and attention to it than we can as a, as a democracy. Uh, so it's something that we need to continue to be a leader in. We definitely need to continue going to the back to the moon and then on to Mars with human beings. Those are two missions that I am incredibly hopeful about and hopeful for. Artemis is the current United States NASA mission uh, to go back to the moon. It plans on using the, uh, the Artemis rockets uh, to get humans out to a lunar gateway, which will be a space station orbiting the moon. And then from there, they will um, launch down to the surface of the moon. And in the future, they will go from the moon all the way out to Mars. And so that will be a very, very interesting program to keep our eyes on over the next few years. We should have a human being back on the moon in 2028, I believe, is the time frame. So we'll finish up and we will read our last Bible verse for the day, and that's going to come to us from Psalm 144, verse 1, and it says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And I do bless God that he gives us the ability to train and to see the possible uh, problems in the future, and I, I hope that he trains our military for war to protect us and to keep us safe from the, the ever-present threats of communism and other countries that want to encroach on our space. So I appreciate everybody listening in today. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope that you have a wonderful week, and uh, yeah, goodbye.